Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Gavaza, and for today we do get into, and that is, you know, the issue of sustainability. Um, we've focused on it in different aspects. Um, I think some of the more recent conversations we've had around it uh, have pertained more towards um, investment and the like, uh, because issues of ESG, that is your environment, social and governance issues have tended to be um, you know quite uh, quite a big thing um, for your what do you call this for the investment community uh, thinking about how companies are you know better corporate citizens and all of that is now feeding into uh, the investment case for a lot of companies but uh, for today we are sort of continuing in the same thread um, but focusing a little bit more uh, just around uh, I, I guess the role of technology and technology companies when it comes to some of these issues and to help us to unpack all of that we are joined uh, by an by a company uh, access communications and uh, uh, the person who's going to be delving helping us to delve deep into all of the interesting subject matter is uh, Rudy Opperman who is uh, the manager for engineering and training uh, for Middle East and Africa over at um, access and we're definitely looking forward uh, to to that conversation. Uh, Rudy, greetings to you today. Good morning, Madiwa. Thank you. It's uh, it's good to be here and to be discussing this uh, this topic with you. Uh, perhaps a good place for us to start, uh, Rudy, just so that uh, everyone can just become acquainted um, with access and uh, the type of thing that it is that you guys do. Uh, maybe you could give us a little bit of color just around the company, uh, the type of work uh, that uh, you guys are involved in, and I guess um, your interest when it comes to these issues of sustainability. Yes, absolutely. Um, so access communications is a, a Swedish-based uh, or a, a manufacturer that is based in Sweden, in Lund. Um, but it, uh, we, we, it was established in 1984, and we we've always been in the in the IT space. Uh, I would say uh, from the from the set out, it was a very innovative company, uh, bringing out uh, I would say disruptive technologies um, at some some points. Uh, very new, very foreign to some people, uh, but but the company has also, um, from the word go, we were we were bringing out intelligent uh, devices that that connects to a computer network. Um, and over the last over thirty years, uh, we've evolved, we've we've remained innovative, we've explored different technologies, um, we've also diversified our portfolio of products and solutions. And uh, and I think we've we've uh, we've also become a, a really a global company, and if I say global company, um, I mean we uh, yes, it's a Swedish-based company, but we have sales offices and representation in various countries. Uh, we believe that we have to be very close to the local markets, uh, but but we still maintain our. Uh, we've got a very strong culture, uh, you know, culture of. Uh, uh, believing in people, people-centric. So even though we are a technology and an innovation company, um, the the people that work for Access, uh, I would say, subscribe to a certain a certain way of uh, looking at the world. Uh, we, we we'd like to say today that we believe we we use our 
our innovation and our technology, and we combine that with uh, an ecosystem of partners around the world that we, 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 we grow to know and we build strong relationships with. And together with them, we, we, we try and use imagination uh, to see how we can implement our technology with the challenges out there uh, to create a smarter and safer world. And that's really the message that, that, we, uh, that we say today if, we, if we're giving a platform to, to talk about ourselves. So with all of that in mind then, uh, Rudy, given the fact that, uh, like you said, Swedish company, uh, but a global presence, um, and given, you know, all of the different aspects that you guys have and your different operations, um, when it comes specifically to um, issues of sustainability, um, what's the focus of the company? Um, is it on helping uh, businesses to use technology to become, uh, you know, more sustainable in their operations? Is it smart cities? Is it, uh, you know, helping uh, public entities, you know, with, uh, I don't know, your uh, your e-government type of, uh, uh, type of things? Is it waste management? Um, you know, where does the interest uh, um, and your expertise lie as a company? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say uh, probably um, if, if I may take a little bit of a journey of the last 20 years, but as I said in the beginning, you know, we've uh, sort of reinvented ourselves. But I think to best explain and, and to answer your question, I might uh, need to give a little bit of context here. So in in the 80s, we, we created intelligent ways of connecting a, something like a printer to a computer network, which, which was very foreign at that time. But even back then, we, we knew that we wanted to establish a, a very sustainable route to market. So we, we, we knew that we couldn't do everything ourselves. We, we needed partners to, to uh, distribute our products. So there's official distributors. We also need a, a, a channel that we could reach the market through. And, and of course, we wanted to build strong relationships with that channel. And over the last three years, we've, 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 we have not changed uh, uh, the, the channel that we created. We also haven't changed our route to market through a, 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 an approved distribution model. But in the 90s, uh, as, uh, as somebody might know, is uh, the concept of adding printers to a network became obsolete. And we then had to reinvent ourselves. So with our knowledge of communication, having uh, technology communicate over a network, we then created what was known uh, back then as the the world's first IP-based camera, security camera. So we saw a need to have a a video generating device as a sensor that is intelligent and could be communicating over a a computer network. And that was in in the 90s. And since then, we've really been evolving the the concept of uh, security cameras and and it's 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 broadened into um, having very flexible video generating uh, cameras with intelligence on the edge um, these days we we have a diverse portfolio of, of access control of IP based audio systems which is again a very disruptive technology uh, you know we have uh, video based intercoms we also we also have um, software to manage uh, all these solutions and these devices. So today, if if I looked at our our, uh, our portfolio today, whether it's security cameras, access control, or AI uh, technology uh, to detect certain things, um, we don't really box it too much. What what we do is with our established route to market and and our uh, heritage of having intelligent devices communicate on a network. 
um, we try and get feedback from the market to see what are the challenges that we see today. And um, of course, uh, being a Swedish-based company and also, you know, also believing in the, the UN Global Compact uh, Act and, and looking at all the, the key indicators for sustainability, when we design technology, when we innovate from the design phase, we think about uh, doing this responsibly. So it, it really starts with, um, you know, the, the materials we use to, to manufacture our products. Uh, it then also goes further on how do we ship these products around the world? We, we look at the packaging that we use. We also uh, look at our, our global footprint, you know, uh, using the best ways to, to move our products uh, around. And then it goes further to say that if we build these relationships with our partners in different uh, countries and places in the world, it's really to sit down and to see what are the challenges that we face in various parts of the world? And then having conversations about the detail to make sure that we understand what the problem is, that we don't assume things. We actually understand what the problem is. And when we have those conversations, um, then it goes into the detail. And, and just to name a few, I mean, it could be something like waste management. It could, uh, could be something like uh, air quality in smart cities. Um, it could be something like uh, just managing, um, you know, on a mine, it could be uh, improving the safety of workers. Uh, in transportation, it could be using intelligence to, to detect incidents early, also to streamline the flow of people and traffic. Um, so there's not one way of doing this. I would say it would be very difficult for me to, to box all of that in into one conversation. But, but, but I think it suffice to say that when we think about a smart device that's built uh, with sustainability in mind and also shipped to the markets yet with sustainability in mind, and then we see how can we use this intelligence for the better good of, of humanity. And then we, we, we basically build partnerships with, with other professionals in our industry that also um, are, are professionals in their own rights and other companies that, that also have um, you know, a very strong background of being responsible and being sustainable and supporting uh, those those key performance performance indicators as well. Um, then we form partnerships with them. So we also are very careful to partner with other companies. We, we, we definitely take into consideration, you know, what they stand for and what their products and their solutions stand for. And ultimately, um, if, if I think of today, uh, our, our technology and our solutions are being used in, in, in all these different ways um, to improve the lives of people. And currently today, you know, if I think the, the verticals that our products and our solutions are coexisting with other products and other solutions, um, I would say today smart cities is definitely one that we, we can see a lot of growth. Uh, I mean, uh, people are moving towards cities into, with the urbanization that we are seeing and we're thinking of how can we improve the the, the you know people moving around vehicles moving around the the, the, the public spaces where people are um, but then also if we look at you know our critical infrastructure if we look at power generation or water uh, waste management I mean we, we look at ports we look at airports you know the, there we, we we get involved in conversations to see how our technology, could be used to, uh, sometimes it could be um, security systems that are intelligent. So, of course, it could detect intruders. 
but at the same time perform other functions where we can uh, also monitor the, the, the environment uh, through other sensors that, that, that coexist with our technology. Um, to generate metadata, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's really to, to, to form a digital twin of what we see in the real world and then being able to, to carefully analyze the, the information that we are receiving from these intelligent devices and, and then and then sit back and think, what are the trends that we can see and what are the challenges that we face? And then we can make informed decisions to uh, to make to make it better, to 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 streamline operations, um, improve safety, uh, manage the security risks. And all the, all of that, um, it's also also another form of sustainability is you know, how do we make sure that these investments that in customers and, and entities and governments the, the you know these solutions that they invest in how do we make sure that that the investment gives value over a long time you know if there are changes in the future if there are um maybe a, 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 a different systems that need to coexist over the coming years how do we make sure that we also support the mainstream protocols so that we are compatible with other systems um, we we also pride ourselves in being very open, uh, very open to to other systems in terms of compatibility, but but doing so in a in a very secure way in terms of cybersecurity, because that's an, that's another problem that we are seeing today is. You know, criminals are also um, very intelligent. Uh, Rudy, yes. Before before we uh, before we get into the realm of uh, you know the cyber securities etc. There's a lot that uh, you know you've just said and unpacked. Um, you know, just around the approach uh, to sustainability, sort of showing uh, the different legs uh, that something like that probably has. And um, one of the things uh, that a person might uh, be curious to understand, just listening to um, everything that you're talking about, because you're talking about, um, you know, the considerations on a manufacturing level uh, for the different, you know, products and devices that you guys offer to the market. Um, whilst at the same time when it comes to client work um, implementations around things like your smart cities um, and all of that um, one the curiosity uh, comes around uh, that sustainability piece to say who's thinking about the sustainability right is it access that pushes and says okay fine we as a company are just going to make sure that um, whatever we deliver to the market is done in a sustainable way if it's going to be your network or security cameras we're going to make sure that uh, our manufacturing uh, processes are done you know as per a certain code or is it demand that's coming from the client side, you know, to say we want to make sure uh, that we are getting our products, our technology products, um, you know, done, you know, in a sustainable way? Yeah, that's 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 actually a very good question. Um, I would I would like to say that everybody is, is considering sustainability, but but from what we can see is. Um, you know, we have to start with ourselves. We we definitely have to take ownership of the decisions that we make, um, and 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 of course we do so. And the the organisations that 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 companies um, you know align with to to make sure that we keep ourselves honest and that we that we tick the boxes that we and the goals that we set out for ourselves. And uh, and of course we 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 share this information of how we're doing 
uh, you know, openly in, in public forums as well. But but then further to that, you know, when we address the market, uh, you know, with our partners, um, we don't always necessarily uh, see the demand for doing things in a very sustainable way. Uh, unfortunately, some some uh, organizations uh, and some governments, maybe more than others, uh, some private institutions more than others, for sure. Um, we, But then our responsibility uh, moves into a different realm where we sometimes see that uh, b- before we can do anything, we maybe need to create a bit of awareness because it's not necessarily that somebody do not believe in doing something in a sustainable way. What we very often see is that there's, there might be a lack of information, a lack of awareness. Uh, if we then just do uh, you know, a few f- first steps to, to share some ideas and some ways of looking at it, uh, sometimes it's, it's really uh, a positive. The response is very positive and people can understand and they can buy into the concept. I think ultimately most people want the same thing. I think we all want a smarter and a safer world. But a lack of awareness is something that we also take some responsibility for um, to talk about these these topics as well. Now, thank you so much for that, Rudy. And I think uh, one of the big things that it does show is the fact that, um, you know, for a lot of people out there, as much as sustainability um, is one of those issues that a lot of companies, investors, etc., are all trying to tackle or to be concerned about. It's not uniform. Not everyone is demanding this thing. For some, it's more important uh, than others. So I guess taking the approach of, um, you know, first as access being the ones to drive it um, you know is probably a, a fair approach to take just so that you guys know that at least if it's an imperative uh, for you guys then you know you then um, take away you know that ability for uh, the fluctuations from uh, you know from the others in the market uh, but as we are you know sort of getting into this uh, last phase uh, of the discussion then Rudy I wanted to focus on um, you know some of the examples that you were giving to us earlier on smart cities for example um just to maybe get a sense of some of the solutions um that are out there you know that people can um can can actually use to implement um some type of a sustainable um solution because when we think about issues of sustainability um you don't really hear a lot of people talking that much about how smart cities can actually lend themselves to the overall effort? So if we think about smart cities, we we, we mainly divide it into three different categories. Um, the first category being, uh, of course, um, uh, uh, mobility. Um, you know, in smart cities, you have a need for, for people and, and vehicles to move around. So in mobility, you know, we look at uh, uh, traffic, conge- congestion, um, you know, big public areas where, where people gather and move around. So that's mobility side. And, and, I'll, and I'll get to some examples now. The, the other two, um, of course, we look at uh, just the, the, the environment. You know, this could be the air quality, the water quality. Um, I would say the livability of a city. Now, in terms of pollution, just in terms of being a very clean safe space for 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 people to uh, to existing and then the third one is in, in terms of security you know people people want to feel safe uh, but they also want to feel um that they they, they secure um so what we typically see is 
The first problem that we need to solve is security, because if people don't feel safe and secure, then they don't really worry so much about the environment. Um, you know, if people don't feel safe and secure, they don't really move around as much as they would otherwise uh, if, if they felt safe and secure. So a lot of our uh, fundamental uh, products and solutions and, and also our partner solutions that, that, that we team up with uh, do a lot in the, in the space of securing the cities. So, you know, there's certain areas typically, uh, you know, if you look at uh, different private businesses, uh, all businesses have, uh, you know, perimeters. So intrusion, the intelligent intrusion detection systems. I mean, those are, I would say the fundamental ones. Um, also any public area where people move around, you know, where vehicles may be parking, parking lots, um, they, it's, 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 it's the use of technology to make sure that we can reduce the risk of theft or, or, or anything in that space. So, so security is, is, is the first one. Once people start feeling secure, then of course, then they feel uh, very free to, to, to roam around and to move around. So here we get into the realm of traffic. And of course, all of us spend a big part of our lives sitting in cars in, in traffic. And of course, uh, you know, traffic congestion is something that we all experience. Um, some people, uh, you know, are, are, are more okay with it than others, but but it is something that we have to manage, we have to improve. So there we use technology um, in terms of intersections, you know, incident management, if we can detect incidents early and we can give first responders enough uh, time and warning to, to respond for, for quick and efficiently, then of course we can minim minimize the disruption. But uh, also we can help, intelligence systems can really help pick up trends. We can improve the flow of, of traffic of people. Um, we can also improve the flow of uh, people inside public transport. So we can use technology to, to help uh, with some decision-making, some operational decision-making, uh, because we're generating a lot of metadata. And, and of course, uh, all of the, this improves the flow of people and vehicles. Now, the third one, when it then gets to the, the air quality and the water quality, you know, when people feel so secure and they start moving around, of course, then we want to manage uh, pollution and we want to manage noise. Um, you know, we want to now really start to tweak the city to make it really livable. And that's probably where a lot of cities in the world are not there yet. So I would say the first step, some cities are more secure than others. Uh, there are there are world class cities that that's, that really has very good public transport. They have really intelligent systems that improve the the movement of people and vehicles, and they already at a phase where they're now measuring the air quality and they making decisions um, to to try and improve the air quality. They're also monitoring noise pollution, um, you know, to try and reduce noise. So there are some legislative uh, 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 directives coming from government and from from the municipalities to to try and reduce to uh, reduce the pollution and reduce the noise but unfortunately not all cities are there so i think it is really a journey for cities to ultimately get to that and of course as we know more and more people are flocking towards cities so we we have to get this right 
Uh, that certainly makes sense, uh, Rudy, just around um, how we think about, um, you know, some of these things. I'm guessing uh, just hearing you talking that um, the issues of sustainability come through um, with uh, resource management, with the efficiency, um, you know, on uh, on the different aspects of what it takes, um, you know, to run a city. You spoke quite a bit about, you know, issues of traffic. If you're able to solve uh, for some of those issues you probably are reducing uh, the amount of time that people are taking to get to and from places uh, probably the amount of traffic on the road as well you know the actual cars themselves um, which goes some way to reducing your things like your emissions um, that type of thing because a lot of cars that are just sitting in traffic for hours a day you know they might be on idle but they're still emitting you know a lot of that uh, carbon monoxide and the like um, and also just uh, you know relating the other aspects of what it takes to run a uh, run a city I'm thinking about your your waste and water management you know that type of thing um, it's a it's a it's it's quite an interesting one and uh, in hearing you talking um, I'm curious to then understand um, from the experience that you guys have or what you are seeing um, at the moment um, because everyone talks about things like your smart cities smart cities smart cities um, but when it comes to actually putting it into practice um, where where are the wins at the moment uh, what are people getting right uh, because I'm pretty sure that some things are you know being done very well whereas some things are lagging behind so where's the most problem being seen you know when it comes to actually implementing some of these systems yeah absolutely so um, I mean if I can can use an example of uh, ideal cities you know we see there are some cities now as as a global company the one advantage that we have is you know we share uh, uh, use cases and 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 case studies we we share very openly amongst ourselves and also to our partners and sometimes what we do is we, we look at cities that that has done a lot and that has been on this journey and they've they've really accomplished a lot so we look at what has been done there so if i can give some examples something that we are seeing these days that that are more and more talked about is of course, I mentioned that, you know, the first thing is to solve security and then it moves into mobility and then, of course, sustainability in terms of the air quality. So we are, if we think of if we think of a, a city, you know, whether you are walking around on, on, on a sidewalk, um, you know, we have all these intersections and very often we see these uh, street poles with that produce light. So, of course, the, those structures are, are there because they, they produce light at night, which 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 really helps with uh, with traffic and with people. But what if you could take something that's already there and you could you could add something to it? If you could now create a smart pole where you can have a light, you can maybe have some sensors in there. You can have your security camera also built into that. Of course, the, the grid is connected. So you have connectivity, you have power. You might even have power backup. So if, the, if there's, if for whatever reason, there's a power failure, that, that smart pole, let's call it a smart pole, that smart pole is, is still working, even if there's a, a maybe a blackout or power failure. So we see more and more of these, but what's what there's different ways of doing it. So you could you could retrospectively uh, fit all these equipment to an existing pole, but but generally that's really difficult to do because it's difficult to redesign a pole if it's not suited for all this intelligence. So what we are seeing is 
companies that manufacture the poles are starting to reach out to companies like us and, and other companies that, that uh, you know, write software with intelligence. So all these companies are starting to talk to each other uh, in the design phase to try and build a, a purpose-built, uh, fit-for-purpose smart pole that, that can have all these intelligent sensors and security cameras and analytics running on it. And you could even now add more things to it. You, you know, if, if a city is very secure and very safe, you can even add some services to it. You know, you can maybe have a charging point uh, for people for their for their devices. You know, you can have a USB chargers where you can maybe charge your device. You, you, I mean, it would even be possible to to create a uh, you know a pay for service type of charging point where you could you could charge. You can it could be linked to an account, and because the system is intelligent, you can you can pay for what you use, and this means that people can easily move around. You know, we all have uh, mobile devices with us. Um, you have these uh, security cameras that double up with other functions as well. You, you're measuring the pollution in terms of the quality, the, the noise levels. Um, you can use some of those structures also to, to manage the traffic flow and, and, and detect incidents. You know, if we think about the, the, the 5G uh, rollout of, of, of having all devices connected, these poles can also be hotspots where you can have uh, radio equipment, you know, to, to form a, a, a grid for connectivity. So I, that, I would say that's the ultimate. If, if, if cities can feel that they can invest uh, uh, into these technologies and make sure that, you know, vandalism and theft is, is under control. And, and I would say the general population of that city all buy into this safe smart city concept. So they also feel a sense of responsibility to protect what they have. That That's where we want to get to. Now, of course, you can imagine that a lot of cities are still very far from that. But at least we are seeing glimpses of cities that are getting it right. And we're trying to learn from that. And, and in the beginning, I mentioned awareness. Uh, we really want to create more awareness to show what is possible and what has been done before. And maybe we could use building blocks or parts of those. And uh, with our partners, we can we can do proof of concepts. You know, we can test how well this will work in a, in, in a new city uh, and what are the challenges that we first need to overcome in order to, to make it work. I like the fact that, um, you know, you're now talking about uh, learnings from other cities that have gotten it right because uh, we want to end off maybe bringing all of this and localizing it a little bit to the South African context. Now, uh, we've spoken quite a bit around all of the different use cases, um, you know, that people have out there. Um, you went into you know quite a bit of detail uh, just around how all of this technology can be used uh, to actually improve your energy distribution, trash collection, uh, your traffic congestions, improving the air quality. Um, you know, like what we were uh, saying just now. Uh, but coming to South Africa low-hanging fruit right what are the opportunities <laughs> what are the opportunities because obviously yes it's nice uh, you know one of the things i was enjoying you talking about uh, just now was uh, the fact that you know if you have some of these uh, systems and infrastructure in place it's then easy to add you know other layers on top such as um, some type of a charging service for people and that becomes an extra an extra line of revenue for a city 
county, a municipality or a district or something uh, that would otherwise not have been there. Um, so before we, you know, go a bit too complex, um, you know, everyone wants flying vehicles, electric vehicles and, you know, charging points at every corner. <laughs> That's where we want to get to. But in terms of low hanging fruit uh, for South African cities, where that's the big metros, etc. Um, you know, what's the what's the thinking there? No, absolutely. You know, uh, surprisingly, in South Africa, we we currently are in in discussions, and we what we are seeing is you get developers that create uh, what we refer to as mixed use uh, uh, precincts or, or areas. And, um, you know, that's generally where they have commercial space, residential space, um, you know, with traffic flow in and out. It's a controlled environment. Um, so you, you try and first create these safe spaces. I mean, you can think about a maybe a, a train station. You know, that could be a, a safe space that you can create because it's manageable. Um, you can start there. You know, if you think about uh, the, your, your key points, your airports, you know, if you think about maybe big shopping centers, you can create uh, safe spaces there. So once you have these safe, safe spaces, and we are seeing it, we are seeing this being deployed, you know, then you start playing a game of connecting the dots. You know, we can we can then say, well, if we have these safe spaces and, and, and the general population can start to see that, you know, it, it works there, but it doesn't work here. So what do, what do we, I need to do? What do we need to do? Um, you know, what are the conversations that we need to have to, to, to also copy what's happening there? Because we, we want the benefits. Um, so I would say the safe spaces are happening in South Africa. We are seeing this. You know, when we if we think about the future of uh, maybe uh, e-mobility, electric vehicles, of course, we're going to need uh, to have charging points. And those charging points will probably have to be on major routes or where, where people maybe park their cars at a parking lot. So those parking lots could be maybe a low-hanging fruit, but we can also create safe spaces there where people can then maybe start really looking at, at electric vehicles because range anxiety is, is a big problem that's holding back electric vehicles as well. I mean, people don't, they're worried, where am I going to charge it on, on my way from, from my work to my house and, and where I'm around? So I would say creating safe spaces, we are seeing this happening um, it's not a utopia. It, it is happening, and developers are investing in these these technologies. But they they're doing it in in isolated local areas. I would say. Really great there, and uh, that's where we end off uh, today's discussion. And uh, you know, just fascinating to hear just around how um, technology can be used to feed into um, the discussion around sustainability. Uh, we focused quite a bit around uh, what's going on in terms of smart cities. Um, Rudy advocating for you know the use of technology uh, when it comes to issues around, let's say, uh, decongesting, um, you know, traffic. Um, you know issues around waste collection energy distribution all of these you know aspects that um, you know what it takes to actually run a city and how improving some of those processes can actually lend itself to some of the bigger picture items uh, such as improving uh, your air quality um, in the city because um, you know you make uh, a lot of those things a little bit more efficient um, and what's interesting and great about that type of thing is that 
it sort of shows the fact that when you, when you're trying to solve some of the bigger uh, picture issues, right, um, you can't have like a blanket approach. No one thing is going to be a silver bullet uh, that's able to do you know anything and everything. You sort of have to have this collective approach. You sort of have to have um, you know your waste collection on point, reduce congestion, um, you know, reduce the number of your internal combustion engines, etc. All of these different pieces working together uh, then you know lend themselves uh, to achieving whatever sustainability goals um, you know will be uh, will be in place and then ending off just talking about uh, some of the low-hanging fruit uh, that is uh, possibly available to South Africa and uh, learnings from you know other parts of the world uh, talking about you know how um, developers which is quite encouraging that uh, some developers in the country are um, you know building you know certain projects with uh, some of these uh, future use cases and sustainability aspects already in mind such as um, a future of electric mobility you know how do you make sure uh, that you future proof uh, some of the some of the new construction sites and mixed use projects that are actually being highlighted right now so that's been it uh, as I said fascinating discussion uh, that was uh, Rudy who is manager for uh, engineer engineering and training uh, for Middle East and Africa over at Access Communications. Rudy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Madiba. I really enjoyed this conversation. This is Madiba's Take. Fascinating discussion as always, but this one, you know, uh, is a little bit different, especially um, the way that we've approached sustainability on this platform um, in the past. As I said, we've tended to focus on it, um, you know, just around how companies uh, can be a little bit more sustainable and how that is lend- lending itself to um, the investment case of companies and the investment investor pressure uh, that is coming onto, you know, companies. And uh, this conversation, you know, just talking um, around how a company is looking at sustainability and how uh, all of those principles are then uh, being put into how they deliver products um, when you look at uh, you know some of the smart city solutions etc and how all of that um, and I think that's where the key is you know to say that um, you know sustainability I always tell this uh, story uh, that I went to Rhodes Business School and the motto there you know when we were there was leadership for sustainability uh, Um, And I remember at the time, you know, many years ago, um, we were wondering, you know, what was happening. It was still a nascent space. And we were hearing just, you know, how wide and diverse the sustainability space is. And I feel that only now you start seeing a lot of people catching up and actually seeing what's happening. And I say, um, you know, schools like that were ahead of their time. And it's really great to see how all of this comes together. But uh, one of our learnings even back in those days was to say that there's no one thing that will ever solve all of the sustainability issues. When you're looking at your people, your planet and your profit, you need to make sure that you have a holistic approach. Uh, it can't just be about the money. It can't just be about the planet. It can't just be about the people. You need to have all of it all coming together, working together uh, for all of these ends. So the practicalities around um 
your smart cities for example and how all of the different efficiencies that people can actually achieve along the way then feed into that bigger goal of making sure that a city is more sustainable you're using uh, less energy cleaner forms of energy you've got um, improved air quality um, at the same time you're making sure that people are, are better taken care of people are spending you know wasting less of their lives in things like traffic um, and all of that so really great discussion looking forward uh, to the next piece really great to see um, how you know other people are um, attacking this issue of sustainability And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.